Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy Short Corner on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you live from COG Studios, we've got two excellent guests for a great LA Galaxy discussion. Tonight, both in studio, I'm going to be joined by former LA Galaxy player, current LA Galaxy president, Chris Klein, and LA Galaxy vice president of marketing and communications, Brendan Hannon. We're going to find out what a day in the life of the LA Galaxy president is and hopefully get a deep into the on and off field product and how the success is defined for both of those plus any other questions I can possibly come up with as time allows. We've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time, so don't go anywhere. This is Corner of the Galaxy, short corner on cornerofthegalaxy.com, and it all starts right now. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy, short corner edition on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Now here's your host, Josh Guessman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Corner of the Galaxy Short Corner in the off-season of the LA Galaxy, right here on cornerofthegalaxy.com, coming to you live from COG Studios tonight. Have, like I said, two amazing guests, lucky enough to have them both. Uh, LA Galaxy President Chris Klein in studio with us as well as Vice President of Marketing and Communications Brennan Hannon. So we have a bunch to get to. Uh, probably going to front-load some of this with Chris Klein, so before we get too much too started here, I should probably have both of these guys say hi. Gentlemen, thanks for stopping by. Certainly appreciate it. Nice to see you, Josh. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris. Brendan? Hey, Josh. How you doing? Thanks doing, for having us in the Doing good. Thanks for stopping. We got, bye, guys. Uh, Chris, I guess we'll start with you. I know we got a little bit of a time crunch, so we'll, we'll focus a little bit on you. Uh, let's start with the LA Galaxy's offseason. Obviously, that's probably on most people's minds, so, uh, so the easiest place to start. Uh, made some signings already, brought some people in. People are a little worried about the age of some of these people. Everybody's focusing on the age of the players bringing in and, and maybe not focusing so much on youth, especially whenever you look at some of the success that some of the younger teams had in MLS this last season. Yeah. Um, I think before we start with the players we signed, I mean, we lost two fairly significant pieces in Omar and Janino. And uh, it started for us in Seattle, really before that, how we ended the season and it didn't end the way that we're used to. And so it went into evaluation of why that happened. And we knew that, uh, I mean, look, we were leading the Supporter Shield race with a couple of weeks left in the season. Right. So to end the way that we did, um, to have Omar go to Pachuca, to have Janino leave, um, is much as we didn't want that to happen, it opened up a lot of options for us. And uh, I think Bruce's... <clears throat> real priority was to build strength across our roster. We right. have great pieces um, in the core of our team and to build around them uh, and to really add good soccer players regardless of their age. And so we can look at each piece that we've added and evaluate them. Right. Uh, but we feel we've significantly upgraded our roster for 2016. Let's talk about Juninho and Omar Gonzalez, obviously two integral parts of this team since, you know, for with Omar Gonzalez since 2009, whenever he was drafted by Bruce Arena and Bruce's first full year with the LA Galaxy. What was sort of the mechanism? Why, why, did, why was now the right time to sort of part ways with Omar? I don't know that it was the right time. I don't know if there's ever a right time to uh, part ways with a player like Omar that's meant so much to this club and, and what he's contributed. 
Um, but it, I think both are part of operating in a salary cap system right. uh, where you have to make decisions that impact different parts of your roster. And, and with Omar, I think both for him and for us, the financial piece just became uh, too heavy with what we could accomplish. And then on the flip side, what we could accomplish with that money uh, being back. And for him, uh, I think it was time to go. It was time for a new challenge for Omar, uh, right. uh, a different financial opportunity for him. And uh, we have to replace that position. We know that. Uh, we have to replace his personality and his influence in the locker room. But right. uh, uh, we're quite confident that we can do that. And, and Brendan, for you, you're going to have to replace the uh, the saxophone playing orange underwear in, in the Arizona desert guy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Omar was a big part of our team and our club. And his personality is, is irreplaceable. But I think what you find in, in every locker room, there there's different personalities. And, and you bring in guys like... Mike McGee and Jeff Lorenowitz, who, who have personalities all their own, and um, I'm sure Emmanuel Boateng and, and whoever else we end up signing uh, will be able to contribute to, to some of that uh, void that the sexy sax man has uh, left out. The sexy sax man, I like that. Chris, is, is a little bit, is it too far? I'll, I'll say it, and you can tell me if you even agree with this even a little bit. Did the Galaxy shoot themselves in the foot a little bit with signing Omar Gonzalez to a designated player deal? No, and- I think, I mean... I'll let you finish your question. No, no I was going to say because because eventually that ended up sort of meaning you had to get rid of him this year. And whenever you look at how Tam came into the play and everything, and like you said, the financial burden became too much. I mean, yeah. did you shoot yourself in the foot there? No, we don't regret um, making Omar DP. I think it was uh, it was an important moment in our team's history. is an important moment in our league's history. I mean, not only did we sign an American player to a designated contract, we signed an American defender. Right. Uh, and we won with him as a designated player. And I, and when we evaluate success or failure, uh, it's based on a lot of things, but at the end of it, it's how we do on the field. And so Omar was a success as a DP. Uh, I think as you go forward with signing Giovanni and with having Stevie and Robbie and where we want to go now and, and having Tam – uh, and for us using all of it on Omar last year right. uh, and having to strengthen a number of positions, that's why I said it became a balance in, in trying to evaluate what was best for him and ultimately what was best for us. Is, is this part of the cap league? Is this part of the thing that you have to worry about? You know that eventually you're going to have to get rid of players that continue to appreciate and value? Yeah, I think it's part of sports. Uh, I think it's part of uh, certainly part of our sport. If you look across the world, I mean, teams, I mean, even Real Madrid is buying and selling players. They have some that come in and they have some that go out. Uh, and our league will ultimately get to the point where we are buying and selling players. We've always been in a situation where, we're, where we are consuming. We are buying players, we are signing players, and we're a little bit afraid to uh, let them walk out the door because we think that it signifies that we are a league that uh, is not playing with the best in the world. It's okay that Janino was sold to Cholos. It's okay that Omar went to Pachuca. Um, if we didn't replace them with quality players, I think then we have an issue. Uh, but now our players are drawing more and more attention, uh, not only in Mexico, but overseas. You look at now we turn into players that you have signed. As Brendan had said, Mike McGee, um, kind of a legend in L.A. Galaxy circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I started this podcast in 2009, he was he was at the very moment we started this sort of the the target of all of my frustration about the L.A. Galaxy probably early in 2000, at end of 2008, early 2009, that type of thing. Um, whenever you sort of look at, at how it went, I eventually had to apologize to him at a fan event because I felt I was so unfair to him. But what does he mean to this club? Unfair to him in which way? I felt like that 
I was unfair in my criticism, right? Of Mike. Yeah, of Mike. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I always think because you look at how he plays, and this is a guy who plays with his heart on his sleeve, and clearly, um, when you look at what he's done for the LA Galaxy, especially all the postseason goals that he scored. I mean, if you really want to focus, everybody loves to focus on the goalkeeping up in San Jose, which again was amazing. I was there for it. Uh, but that's not so much Mike as it as as the goals in the postseason yeah. and the big time player he sort of is. Yeah, we I mean we got a lot of heat when we traded Mike uh, so that we were able to sign Robbie Rogers. Um, and it had nothing to do with us bringing him back. But I think at the end, you know, first of all, Robbie's been a fantastic player for us and a big contributor for us going forward. But Mike is a player that fills a couple things. He fills possibly a positional need for us in a couple of positions, not only up top but in the midfield. Right. Uh, he's a great character guy. Um, he knows Bruce. He knows our system. He knows our locker room. He knows what it's like to be in L.A., so he will come back in and fit in. Uh, Mike hasn't been healthy in a while, right. so the risk that we have on Mike McGee is not great. Um, but the return that we get if he comes in and gets healthy and gets back with our med- medical staff, I think the upside is very, very big. Well, and you sort of get to sit there and say, you know, um, to most Galaxy fans, if we would have told you that we that the LA Galaxy would trade Mike McGee away, get Robbie Rogers, have Robbie Rogers play very well over the, over the last couple of years, um, maybe not so much whenever he first started. It took a little bit of time for him to get back, but then you'd have both of them at the end of you know three years. I mean, that's probably a pretty good deal, yeah. isn't it? I mean, we don't always make decisions that our fans think are the, the best, but um, we're trying to push the envelope, and we try to win each and every year. Um, and we have a club philosophy that, that we stick by and includes younger players and includes everything we're doing right. uh, with our academy and Galaxy 2. Uh, but at the end of it, we have to win, and we know that, especially when we have guys like, you know, Robbie and Gio and Stevie and Giassi, and uh, the list goes on and on for us. So to be able to go and add pieces like we added uh, across our team, we think we're going to be much stronger. You you talk about, you know, doing things maybe that fans don't always think is, is the most popular decision, clearly moving Janino out, Omar Gonzalez, um, possibly bringing in somebody, and, and uh, talk about as much of this as you can, but... What about players who possibly badmouth the league before coming to the league, and then you guys go out and make them a target and bring them yeah. in? Uh, first off, we do our research. Right. Um, and so we've all made dumb comments uh, that we wish we could have back, and we've all done interviews um, that we say, ah, I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have said that, and it gets taken out of context sometimes, and right. sometimes you mean it and you don't really know what you're talking about. And so um, bringing players in that have made comments, whether about our league uh, or about our club, we, we evaluate that and we do exhaustive interviews and talking to players before we make a decision to bring them in. And ultimately, again, going back to the salary cap universe that we live in, it, it's about the risk that we're taking. And if we can bring in a world-class player uh, at a salary that we're evaluating against other players right. at that salary, uh, we feel pretty good about it. And uh, if, if some of these players are three-quarters of what they were, um, we, we feel good about what they can add to our club. And we don't have a young player in a position in that position that's ready to step in and be a starter right now. Uh, Romney is a player that will ultimately be a starter for our club, right? Uh, but possibly not yet. Okay, understood. Uh, obviously, lots of rumors about Ashley Cole. If we've, if we've hinted at that, do you have any info or information? I know the LA Galaxy doesn't like to talk about players that they haven't signed, so yeah. I, I will let you talk around that. Yeah, I mean, Ashley Cole... Uh, 
you know, we think he still has a lot left. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't talk about players uh, before they're signed because there's so many things that can go wrong until right. they arrive in L.A. But uh, certainly the the rumors are true. We've spoken to him and talked to him, and he's a player we'd like to have in our club. So uh, once it's finalized, hopefully it gets finalized, we'll be able to announce something. Very good. Another uh, name that was rumored out there, of course, is the center back. And you talked about Dave Romney not quite being possibly ready to step into that role. Maybe he will this year. Maybe he won't. Uh, Van Dam is, of course, the guy who's been mentioned a lot. I know uh, on Instagram he has said that he's coming to LA Galaxy. I don't know if that's true or not. Looks like him. It seems like him. Um, but what are you looking for, at least from my view, it looks like there's a lot of depth in this team right now and that he would be a starter and then there's possibly a lot of depth behind him. Yeah, and sometimes depth can mean we have a lot of average players. Right. Uh, in this case, we have two players, well, three players actually right now that are that could start on a lot of teams in the league and could possibly start for us in AJ and Leo right. uh, and then a young center back like we talked about in Romney. Uh, we know that we have to replace Omar Gonzalez and what he meant to this club uh, during his time here. And so to go out uh, and find a player, uh, possibly like Van Dam, that could come in with the experience that, that he has and, and add to our team uh, is something that was a priority for us in the offseason once we knew Omar wasn't going to be back. Now, Brendan, you and I have had a lot of communication back and forth whenever you were working almost exclusively with PR and, and all that. So we, we've talked a lot about that before. What does it take whenever you realize that, uh, and either one of you can talk about this, but what does it take whenever you know that you're having a new player coming in? Uh, what goes on behind the scenes as far as bringing that player to the press or at least announcing that player? Uh, there's a number of factors that go into all those things. I mean, I think we... Uh, like Chris says, we, we do our research and, and we speak with the player. Um, Chris and Bruce do a great job of uh, informing the, the communications and digital and marketing staff of a player coming on, and, and we spend the time to reach out to the player and inform the player of what it's like. Um, often we have players coming from <clears throat> other leagues right. and, and leagues that uh, the the way the press works and uh, England or, or Spain or, or Italy uh, often isn't the same as, as it works here in the United States. So uh, we try to give those players a heads up. We try to lay down some expectations. Um, and we also try to be a friendly face of, of someone that the player can work with and, and collaborate with to, to help uh, grow the brand of the Galaxy, but also grow the brand of the player as well. Talk about the press a little bit, uh, the press being different as in terms of uh, from league to league, um, from both of you, I know you have experience sort of talking to these players coming in. What is so different about the press here in the United States that is such an adjustment? Because I've seen it when players come into the locker room, whenever they're here, I've seen it be sort of uh, an issue of them getting comfortable. Robbie Keane didn't seem very comfortable whenever he first started coming into the locker rooms for uh, for the LA Galaxy. I don't know that they're not comfortable. I mean, these guys are, whether it's Robbie or Stevie or David, uh, you know I mean? These guys have lived in a world that is that is much, much different than soccer in this country has traditionally been. And um, I think that's part of it is to understand that they can uh, trust a lot of things that are going on, that our people are going to take care of them and that we're going to do the right thing uh, by them. Whereas, you know, media where they come from are, are out to get them a lot of times. So I think that's a little piece of it. I think the other piece of it, quite honestly, is our league's 20 years old. Right. Uh, and we are still building and selling and uh, promoting 
what we're doing. People are coming to watch Liverpool, whether Steven Gerrard does an interview or not. Right. Uh, and we have to get our story out there. We have to tell it. We have to, uh, we have to build it, and they have to be accessible. And for the most part, guys that we have got in, that we have brought in, have done a very good job of doing that and telling the story. What do you think the the issue was, particularly with the LA Galaxy down the stretch last year, and maybe even Steven Gerrard and Giovanni Dos Santos trying to get comfortable? What was the problem down the stretch? Everyone likes to point to Stevie and Gio. I, I, it was a lot more than that. Uh, it was, first of all, players coming into our league, there's an adjustment period, whether it's midseason or whether it's before the season. Uh, so I think that's first. Uh, we changed goalkeepers partway through the year. Uh, Sebastian Legette was a player that hadn't played regularly in some time, and he right. came in uh, mid-season and, and did fantastic for us, but slowed a little bit down the stretch. Uh, and so there were a the number of things that, that we could point to and mistakes that we were punished for uh, when it all when it was all said and done. And, and we just didn't perform the way that we thought. We never found the continu- continuity across the, the starting 11 and guys coming in that uh, that got us there. In saying that, we really felt like in a two-game series, there wasn't a team uh, that we could look at that we would have feared and that we would have uh, had a problem playing. Right. But uh, you put yourself in a position to have to go to Seattle uh, and win a one-off uh, play-in game, and you're putting yourself in a tough spot. Yeah, no, it, it certainly seems that way. Um, what has Bruce Arena been thinking in the offseason? I'll ask you to sort of look at Bruce. You, you work with him. on What is his goal here in the offseason? Uh, to build a team that can win in 2016. Uh, Bruce is, I mean, he's the best that we've seen in in our sports, certainly in this country, but he's one of the best in sports uh, in our country. And he he takes a really hard look at things that went wrong and then how we can build it back uh, to get back to where we're used to to being at the end of a season. And so... uh, Coming in after we lost to Seattle, we've worked every day to build the roster back up right. uh, so that we can have a chance going into 2016. And so I think it's really identifying the weaknesses that we have, uh, understanding the short and long-term implications of who we are and who we want to be. Um, I mean, look at Giassi, for instance. Right. Uh, we had offers for him, uh, and he's a player that we'd like to commit to long-term and a player that we'd like to be here um, for a long time in his career. So it's establishing that and trying to build – uh, both for now and for the future. All right, we have a caller calling in. 323, who's this? Hi, my name's Eddie. Hey, Eddie, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, I got a question. So there's all these rumors about Ashley Cole flying around. I'm, I, for one, am in favor of that signing. Um, but, you know, online you see a lot of backlash fans that because of comments that Ashley Cole had made before. Um, uh, Chris Klein and Bruce, do you guys, or oh, I know Bruce is not there, but do you and Bruce feel any pressure from the fans, you know, not bringing him in? just because the fans don't want it, even though, I mean, I'm one of the fans, that the one percenters that believe that he can help us in the field. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the, the question, first question, or the first answer is we value very much what our fans think. Um, and as I said before, we don't always make decisions that uh, our fans want, but it's always in the mind that we want to put a product on the field that all of our fans can be proud of. So if you think of a, a player like Ashley, I mean, a lot of the, uh, negative feedback has been, I think, not only for his comments, his age, but right. I think there was 
uh, possibly thought that he was going to be a designated player or that we were going to use all of our targeted allocation money on him. And again, if we were to bring a player like that in, uh, neither would be true. Right. And, and so we're looking at uh, players that we can build around and that can uh, that can contribute on our roster. And uh, Robbie Rogers can play both right and left back. Um, so we're looking for right or left back. And we're evaluating uh, all of our options to fi- figure out what the best one is, and that's the decision we'll make. Is that good, Eddie? Any other, any other questions you have? Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> Thanks, right. Eddie. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks for calling. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right. Dale, the phone lines are open right now, 949-734-4217. If you want to call in, 949-734-4217. Questions for Chris Klein or Brendan Hannon, either one. We've got Chris for about nine more minutes here. So uh, if you want to do it, get on there and, and call on in. Um, we talk about a little bit shifting gears. The NFL almost comes to Carson. The stadium almost gets built down the street from uh, from StubHub Center. Would that have been a good deal for the LA Galaxy or a bad deal, or would it have not affected them at all? Well, I don't think you can say it wouldn't affect us at all because I think another stadium uh, in our city would certainly have an effect. I think there you could argue it would have been both positive and negative. Uh, we were looking at the the positive of that and having another stadium in our city and having the number of people that would come there, number of restaurants and hotels and things like that. But uh, we're very proud of our location. And uh, if an NFL stadium would have come there, we would have welcomed them. Uh, But certainly having the Rams come back, I mean, uh, very good for the city of L.A. and uh, another sports franchise that people have grown to love. But uh, we're concentrating on what we have to do and right. and and preparing for uh, for the 2016 season. Yeah, and then you also have LAFC, who has been announced. Obviously, everybody knows that now, especially LA Galaxy fans, uh, building a stadium down near nearer downtown than Carson is. Is there any threat from that? Do you do you see? Is there anything that you have to do right now to react to that, or is this going to be a long term play? Yeah, I mean, I don't long term play or no. I think the short answer is no. We no matter if it's LAFC or the Rams, we have to continue to be the Galaxy. Right. Um, I'd certainly rather be us than a new um, team coming into our market. I mean, there's it's been tried before. It's been tried at our location and uh, wasn't all that successful. But I think for the league, certainly long-term, it's a positive thing. Um, if we can have somebody else and as the league continues to grow, uh, that can come in and, and certainly stand in line to nip at our heels. Now, it's interesting whenever you sort of look at uh, look at how the landscape could change. Just, I mean, a rivalry would be a good thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, but a rivalry has to be built over time. Right. And so uh, we've built a rivalry with Seattle. We've built a rivalry with San Jose. And uh, I think yeah, rivalries have to be authentic. I mean, you watch Liverpool and Manchester United uh, play this weekend. That's a rivalry. Right. Um, I mean, those have to be, pil- be built with emotions and big games and um, results that go either way and fans and everything else. So possibly in the long term, but I think uh, it, it certainly has something that has to be earned. No, no, it, that's right. Do you, do you think, though, that location and obviously with Chivas USA, I think there would be a lot of people who would consider Chivas USA somewhat of a rival just because of location. So yeah. location helps that. Yeah, I mean, they were they were a club that was in our building. But, I mean, it wasn't – I mean, I think back to some of the games where it was created. I mean, there was a lot of things that was done that was done that was made an attempt to create a rivalry with trophies and super classical names. And no one really bought into it until Jesse Marsh kicked David Beckham from behind and Chivas made the playoffs and played the Galaxy. And 
uh, Sasha Kleschen makes comments in the press. And so I think those types of things over time build rivalries. Right. Uh, but I certainly don't think having, uh, you know, your little brother down the hall creates um, something that, that, that we can necessarily call a rival. Who is the LA Galaxy's biggest rival? That's always a question people always ask me. That's a good question. I mean, I think I would I'd have to say San Jose. Um, certainly over the last few years, it's been Seattle. I mean, to think of the number of big games that we've played against Seattle, uh, both in Seattle and in L.A., uh, I think you would have to say uh, over the last few years it's, it's Seattle. But certainly with the proximity of San Jose and the history there, I would go with San Jose. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, Brendan, do you have a, Do you see that any different? Is there a team that's totally underrated that is definitely sort of on the borderline of being a rival that, that maybe isn't talked about? My favorite one is always Real Salt Lake. I always feel like RSL, especially whenever they were closer to their height, not maybe so much last year, but was a very, very sort of emotional game. And you always knew there were going to be two teams that played each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there there's a ton of Western Conference foes that, that you could maybe pin as rivals we've had big games against san jose big games against seattle big games against salt lake so uh, in terms of rivalries i would say that those are some of the bigger ones that we've had um but it like chris said it's all built on the field and and it's a type of thing where it has to be authentic and and i think where seattle has come into play is that there's been some uh, a decent amount of hate that's been involved in in those games right and, and there's been uh, a lot of uh, high pressure matches that that have been played. Um, you think about Juninho's goal. You think about um, Omar and AJ getting into it with Dempsey and Martins. Uh, and, and I think that those things start to build the rivalries. You, you see the big games that the Galaxy have played in Seattle, um, and, and I think that we've continued to win up there, and and that has uh, stoked the fire for the Seattle fans. But Salt Lake is certainly one that you could toss in there as well. Yeah, I always think it's interesting how people sort of classify that. Um, is this, if you make the signings that you anticipate that you're going to make, Chris, is this is this a solid team? Are you guys feel like you put yourself in, in contention to win MLS Cup in, in 2016? Yeah, I mean, right now we're a solid team. So anything that we're able to mm-hmm. add between now and when we play Santos Laguna is only going to add to what we're able to put on the field for 2016. So we're we're never satisfied, so we're going to continue to add and continue to push, but uh, we feel very good about the group that we have. All right, we got about three minutes here with uh, Chris Klein still in the studio. If you want to call 949-734-4217, phone lines are open, ready for you right now. A couple more minutes. Um, we look at some of the improvements that have made to the stadium. Um, the new scoreboard, obviously, was a huge, huge addition. Um, one of my listeners, uh, Sev, was was very happy about that. Um, we look at some of the other improvements that possibly still have to be made. I know there's a lot of people complaining about parking still. Um, I know that there's people complaining about uh, you, still the uh, the access to public transportation. Is stuff being done to sort of, uh, sort of take care of that? Yeah. Um, I mean... We added the scoreboard. We're going to continue uh, with the branding that we've done, which people didn't get. I mean, it's a continual process, and I think they'll be happy with uh, some of the upgrades that we're going to make. We continue to upgrade. We're going to upgrade our stadium club. Uh, we're continuing to upgrade the, the stands. We're continuing to improve on parking. Uh, we understand that, that the challenges that are there and don't know that we'll ever keep everyone completely happy. But right. uh, we, we have a group of people that work very, very hard uh, every day trying to to build off that public transportation 
uh, certainly is a priority of ours. It's a priority of our company and trying to figure out ways to get people um, to the stadium in a more efficient way. Right. Um, and so we have uh, continuing conversations going on with the city uh, that are trying to deal with that. Understood. 909, who's this? Yeah, this is uh, Javier. I'm out in Texas. Hey, Javier. Fan. Hey, Javier. Thanks for calling in. What, what question do you have? Hey, well, I have a couple questions uh, for Chris or, or the other gentleman. Uh, one thing Can't was, I, I'm glad I, Chris just talked about uh, the improvements to the stadium. Uh, I travel back and forth between LA and Texas, and I'd like to see, uh, it's great to hear that they're planning on, on putting some, some money into that, but uh, have they, have they, has it been thrown around to drop the field maybe and bring the stands closer right up to the field, kind of like uh, a, la, a la Britain? Uh, and the second thing I wanted to say was, uh, uh, can you comment anything on Dijon, how close we are to that? I'm not hearing a whole lot out of, out of Milan, uh, what's going on with that. Uh, I think it would be a great addition to kind of have a 4-3-3 three, three in there. Um, and I'll go ahead and end up. Oh, just lost him. Sorry, yeah. go, go ahead and answer wow. that question. Wow, it's great. He travels. Did he say Texas? Yes, Texas. Fantastic. Um, if he wants to drop the field, we should, <laughs> we should look at doing that. Uh, the atmosphere at our stadium is something that we think all the time about. And right. having fans closer uh, is something that we've tossed around. I don't know how feasible that is. Right. Um, we've been obviously been to other countries and been to different stadiums in our league and feel that we have one of the best atmospheres in our league. So continuing on that, I don't know that we'll bring the stands closer to the field anytime soon. Right. Um, you know, on Dijon, uh, you know, I've heard and seen the rumors like everyone else. And uh, I think he, he's obviously a fantastic player, a player that plays at Milan. He's been a captain there. Um, it's a positional need for us. Right. Um, it's certainly uh, a player that, 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 uh, in the mold that we would like to have. But, uh, again, until we have something concrete to talk about, uh, we're not going to comment on it. Understood. All right. 818, who's this? What's up? It's Colin. Hey, Colin. What's up, Josh? How's it going, buddy? What's, it's... Up, pre- what's up, President? <laughs> hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, can you guys just focus on CCL? I want to win that, you know? I want to go to Japan. Me and Mingo? Hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, our, our guys, our guys are CCL. in. We, uh, yeah, I mean, CCL's important to us, and uh, I don't know if you saw, but we legally, legally, with the Players Union, we're not allowed to bring our guys in until January 22nd, and uh, it's important to the club, but it's also important to our players. Robbie Keane um, has all of our players that are in right now, and they've been doing fitness and ball work for the past week, um, so that when when we're officially able to start, we're able to... Uh, hit the ground running in preparation because we're certainly at a disadvantage. Santos has uh, started their season already, but uh, it's a priority for us, and and we need all of you guys out there to support us because uh, we know the atmosphere that we're going to get in Torreon. And uh, so to bring that and uh, to to get through Santos will be a big deal for us, and hopefully uh, be able to be playing in Japan. All right, we have one more call. We'll take it before we go to break. Six two six. Who's this? Mingo. Hey Mingo, how's it going, buddy? Hey, what's up? It's good. Mr. President, how's it going? I'm good, Mingo. How are you? Doing all right right here. Excited for the new season. We're looking uh, forward you know, to it. Great point that you're talking about, Torreon. Just to let you know, I want to put it out there that people are listening live right now. There's flights. All about 25 of us are flying out to Mexico. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You guys can get information on that. We want as many people to go to these games. So do we. Um, we can. Uh, we need friendly faces in Torreon. Yes, we do. And then I want the team to know our, our, to feel our presence there. You know what I mean? Because uh, the past two TCL games, I 
I'm pretty sure they felt our presence there, you know, and it means a lot to us that they appreciate it. Uh, we've already won everything in a new format. That's all we have left, CCL, boss. I know you can do it. You have the manpower to do it this year. We, we got what it takes. Well, uh, certainly having you guys down there is big for us, and we would like uh, everyone to be there on February 24th as well. Uh, that's the important leg for us, and if we look back, I mean, we always look back and see what we haven't done well, and I think taking care of our business uh, at home, whether it was Monterey or Cholos, uh, we didn't feel we got the results in the way that we wanted to, and so uh, we're, we're putting everything we have in preseason towards February 24th. Awesome, Mango. Thanks for the call. All right, what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Chris, I want to thank you for uh, for stopping by. I know you're a very busy man, especially right now, so I, I know you didn't have to take your time out, but uh, coming in studio was, uh, was a real treat for me, so I really want to appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, we appreciate uh, you guys covering us and everything you do for us, so uh, it's my pleasure. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Whenever I come back, I'm going to be talking with Brendan Hannon a little bit more here, uh, get into a little bit of what his job is, so we still have a half hour to go. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy Short Corner on cornerofthegalaxy.com. And I will be right back. Struggles like an open mouth without a voice. So here's to you and I, canary down the mine. That's all this was a warning sign, a warning sign. Recording from COG Studios and not their mom's basement, it's Corner of the Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Corner of the Galaxy, short corner on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Josh Guessman with you once again. Great having Chris Klein, LA Galaxy president in studio here. Great time. We now get to switch over gears a little bit. And again, with short corner, we try to get behind the scenes for you. And lucky enough to have Brendan Hannon in here talking to us. And like I said, I've, I've worked a lot with Brendan uh, sort of behind the scenes whenever I needed to get players on the, uh, on the podcast before. Always been great to me. But it, it's kind of fun to hear... You know what his job entails, and Brendan, I know uh, a promotion of sorts just took place. So, how has that sort of shifted your concentration? Thanks for having me, Josh. Certainly, the the bad part of your show coming up with uh, with me instead of Chris. He's much more handsome and eloquent than I. Um, but yeah, I, I'm working with the the marketing department, uh, the communications department, and the digital department. Um, so I'm overseeing all of those. But uh, we've we've got a great team. Uh, including Mr. Keyshore, Chris Glidden, Chris Thomas, uh, Vicky Mercado, and a number of other people in, in a variety of different roles um, to, to help make things happen uh, for the LA Galaxy uh, here in LA and domestically and internationally. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big undertaking. I think the thing that will probably most people will sort of point to, or at least I will, being I'm big on Twitter and a lot of our listeners are big on Twitter, is the Twitter account for the LA Galaxy. You have a different tone. The LA Galaxy's Twitter account has a different tone than pretty much anybody else. Was that by design? How did you sort of fall into this? Yeah, certainly. Uh, when, when myself and Chris Thomas, uh, who, who runs uh, all of our digital, um, and a young woman by the name of Jenny Blakely d does all the day-to-day -day right now, um, we decided that the tone and voice was, was an important thing for us. Um, 
<coughs> pardon me, the, the social aspect of, of everything that the Galaxy did was very important. And, and having a defined tone and voice, um, something that was premier and, and talked about the Galaxy in that way, um, something that was cool and, and authentic to the, the city of Los Angeles, and, and I think had a sense of humor and some irreverence right. uh, was a big thing for us. So being able to, to implement that tone and voice, I, I think, uh, changed how we were able to interact with our supporters, how we were able to interact with people socially. Um, but but a bulk of that credit uh, goes to Chris Thomas, who, uh, who I think is one of the, the funniest people on Twitter uh, and one of the, the funniest guys around. So I think he, he's been able to really own that tone and voice and, and drive a lot of that stuff home. And, and I think we see with, with Jenny in the mix now as somebody who, the, who can really evolve our tone and voice. And uh, continue to position the galaxy uh, uh, under those three main tenets. Well, I mean, you you look at it. It's not just the LA Galaxy's main sort of Twitter voice. It, it's also it seems to extend to the mascot with Cosmo on Twitter as well. And I know that um, you know a lot of that's authentic with him. I mean, it, it seems to be that he he really he he is Cosmo. I don't know how else to explain it. Do, do you know how to explain what Cosmo is? Uh, well, he's a soccer loving alien. <laughs> yes. uh, that's obvious. Um, but yeah, we, we can't take any credit for, for Cosmo. I mean, we, we take a lot of our tone and voice from Cosmo. Um, and to have a, a soccer-loving alien as your mascot and as someone who can uh, serve as a consultant for your uh, social department is certainly something that, that we have big takeaways from. Well, it's a lot of fun always to interact with either the LA Galaxy Twitter account or uh, or Cosmo, so always good stuff there. Let's shift a little bit to looking at marketing, and we, and we take a look at the LA area. There are you know 18, almost 19 million people in the greater Los Angeles area. Um, oh, that's a lot. I didn't know that. It is. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. I know. <laughs> um, how do you how do you market to people? How do you get more people in the seats? Because honestly, there's 27,000 people fill up StubHub Center. It's not always sold out. We just hope that Cosmo tweets it and they, they'll show <laughs> they'll up. Show. You're right. Um, I that, that, that's a big part of our strategy. Um, you know, there's, there's I think, a lot of different things, and uh, there's a lot of competition for entertainment dollars in Los Angeles, and the, the Galaxy are, are certainly one of the, the, the options, um, a championship-winning option and, and an option with some very high-profile players. But uh, it, it's a challenge. that There's the ocean. There's a, a lot of things to compete with. So, um, you know, we try to define ourselves uh, as a championship-winning club, and uh, as a soccer club for for everyone in Los Angeles, and I think our supporter base, I think our players, I think we're representative of that, and I think we're authentic to the game. So, uh, in terms of our marketing, we try to do a lot to to drive people to uh, our matches and and to speak to uh, how our players and our coaches and uh, our team represents Los Angeles and and what it means to be from here in LA and. Uh, to to be a supporter of a of a big club. Can you give the listeners an idea? Whenever you have a sellout, twenty seven thousand people fill up. How many? What percentage wise would season ticket holders be? What percentage is walk up? I mean, how much is sort of in flux on the day of the game? Uh, I mean, we consistently try to work to build our our supporter base and and our season ticket member base. I, I think that we've got uh, one of the best season ticket member bases in the league. Um, but there's always work that that we can do. 
Um, we we don't have as much of a captive audience as maybe uh, the folks in Seattle or the folks in Toronto or Portland have. Right. Um, but but we have loyal fans who have been a part of the club since 1996, and uh, we have a, a season ticket member base, so I think is among the best. I think when you see the atmosphere at StubHub Center, uh, that atmosphere is is better than Seattle has sold out. It's better than Portland sold out. It's better than uh, BMO Field sold out. So uh, I think that uh, those fans bring it. I, I think that there's uh, you know the work to be done on game days, but right. it's incumbent upon us as a club to to continue to provide value and to continue to um, you know be the best at, at servicing our fans and and servicing our supporters in intangible ways. Will, will you come up you specifically, and I'll give the, you credit to credit to you, and you can tell me if it's not you. You specifically have come up with some out-of-the-box ideas for marketing as far as whether it goes out to the press or goes out to season ticket holders. Uh, I have two viewer viewfinders in here from uh, from LA Galaxy they came up with. I mean, what is it about thinking outside the box that you think appeals to to soccer fans or, or, or media people? Well, I think we have to differentiate ourselves. Um, the, the, the soccer market and the Galaxy have to differentiate themselves from the Dodgers and the Lakers, and and I think we want to be seen as a a club that uh, thinks outside of of the norm and and tries to bring things to people that they find unique, they find interesting. Um, you know, with a lot of the stuff that we've sent direct to mail, which is sort of an old school way of doing it. Right. Uh, we've tried to collaborate as a team and and send people things that they would find value of and and that they would find unique. So. Uh, the viewfinders. We've done some boxes. We've done uh, a variety of different things, uh, but all of it's done to sort of cut through the clutter and differentiate ourselves in the marketplace. Well, you have LAFC, and I talked a little bit about Chris with with LAFC coming in. Yeah, what, no what, doubt. What specific challenges? There has to be something. You have to you have to be looking across the aisle and say yes. They have you know 172 owners, and that's great. And they're clearly going to have um, you know a, a world class stadium. It certainly looks like it's going to be great. And I, I think the rivalry overall for LA should be great. But do you expect to lose people to go over to LAFC? Uh, no, I mean I, I think we'd be naive to to not understand that that a new team in the marketplace is certainly going to bring competition and excitement for Major League Soccer and and soccer in Los Angeles. Uh, I think the Galaxy have to continue to be the Galaxy. You, you heard what Chris said. I, I think we, we're a club that, that's going into its 21st season. Uh, we've won five MLS Cups. We've won two U.S. Open Cups. Uh, this is a club that uh, big players have come to uh, and have long come to, and, and we, uh, we pride ourselves on innovation and uh, being champions in the marketplace. Um, LAFC will certainly have uh, a lot to draw from, and including uh, the shiny new thing in the marketplace. Right. Um, but when when you think about StubHub Center as sort of this cathedral for soccer in the United States, and and where big games are played, uh, I think you think of of StubHub Center. Um, probably Crew Stadium is another one that you think of in terms of the U.S. men's national team. Right. But in the United States, I think you know a lot of people see the Galaxy as this uh, beacon of the team and and the club to be. And uh, LAFC will certainly do everything that they can to uh, take away or or be what we're not. Uh, and I think we see ourselves as a, a club that's uh, inclusive of of everyone and and uh, is really. Uh, representative of the city of Los Angeles and, and of all of Southern California. 
No, it, it's just it's such an interesting time. I always said like I think that LAFC is going to be a great thing for the LA Galaxy as far as possibly a rivalry. Um, there's people who say that there isn't enough room in Los Angeles for two soccer teams. Can you address that at all? Is there enough room in Los Angeles for two soccer teams? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that uh, you said there's 19 million people in in the Los Angeles DMA, correct? So yeah, uh, it, there's a lot of people here uh, who are looking to to do things, and and I think that there are a lot of soccer fans here in Los Angeles, um, and being able to capitalize on on that marketplace and uh, get people who are fans of the game of soccer uh, out to MLS games has long been something that we've worked collectively towards, and. Uh, I think that LAFC will certainly work towards uh, bringing fans of the game of soccer and uh, fans of sport in Los Angeles. But I think most people will find that that supporting the the LA Galaxy and coming out to LA Galaxy games, uh, a team that's been in the marketplace that, that has uh, a rooted fan base will, will be a, a good option as well. You got to do something pretty special and unique whenever Steven Gerrard was signed. And I, I know you went over to England and spent some time with him sort of, uh, I guess, doing a, a documentary sort of recording his transition from Liverpool over to the LA Galaxy. Can you talk about that at all and what that experience was like? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of the things that we are lucky enough to do, we, we have a lot of creative freedom. Uh, Chris Klein uh, and Bruce Arena give, give us a, a long leash in terms of uh, many of the crazy and stupid ideas that, that we come up with. Uh, from Liverpool to LA was an opportunity for us to um, go over and, and meet with the player um, and capture sort of uh, what it was like for, for Stevie to, to come over here and to get an advanced look on that. Um, in addition, you know, we were able to sit down with players like Thierry Henry or Roy Hodgson or Xabi Alonso and, and talk about the type of player that Steven Gerrard is and the type of club that the LA Galaxy is. So to be able to frame that type of content and to share something uh, with people in the United States, I think it was a really exciting thing for us. And, um, you know, we had some pretty exciting storylines. Stevie scores in his first game. Um, we introduce him on the July 4th game. But I think that, that it was all, you know, well put together. And uh, to be able to do that in-house with, with a guy like Albert Lanzillo and, and Paolo Ferrari and uh, our video crew, and to do all of that with a very minimal budget, was an exciting thing for us to be able to do, but all of that starts with uh, the freedom from Chris to to be able to tell those stories, and uh, we're big believers in in telling stories and trying to create a narrative. and And Steven Gerrard's uh, transition from Liverpool to LA was certainly a story that we thought would be worthwhile to tell. And having the opportunity to do all that, uh, I think put together a good story for everyone to see. Well, you, you get to work, obviously, with the established players like Steven Gerrard, Robbie Keane, all those guys. But what about the guys who are brand new to the league? This is their first professional contract in some cases. They're young. They're 21. They're, you know, they're 20. They're 19. And that. How do you prepare them to meet people in the press and to sort of get ready to, to try and help them express themselves the best way they can? Because there seems to be... There's a learning curve there. Certainly, there's a learning curve, especially for kids who who aren't used to that. How do you how do you work with those guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, talking to to the press, I think, can be a challenge uh, for anyone. Um, it, it's certainly something that that takes a little bit of practice. Most of our players have, have some sort of media training um, coming in, whether it's at the collegiate level or at another club. Uh, we try to reinforce a lot of that media training. Uh, we try to give our players uh, helpful hints about. Uh, how to be more confident in, in speaking in front of camera, right. uh, in speaking with media, 
uh, in answering questions in a way that provides the media with a, a worthwhile and genuine answer. Uh, we also want our guys to be able to have their own personalities and to portray their personalities in, in a way that comes off as authentic. So um, with a lot of our guys, it's interesting, but uh, most of them come in and, and there's some work that we do, but a lot of them feel pretty comfortable about what they're doing. Well, you speak of personalities, Dan Gargan, um, Alan Gordon, of course, uh, big personalities on the team have their own show, quite honestly. Indeed. Is there any rumor or is there any truth to the rumor that Mike McGee may also be joining that show? Uh, I think that there's, you know, potential. Mike is a big personality. Uh, I'm not sure uh, Gargs, Gordo, and McGee can all fit in the same room right. in, in terms of personality-wise. But um, certainly those guys, uh, I think, all get along and, and have uh, a lot to offer in, in front of the camera. No, no, it makes some sense, definitely. Uh, is there is there also any truth to the rumor that you were also part of the Robbie Rogers deal, that uh, you were in Chicago, also came over to the LA Galaxies? Is there any truth to that? No, no truth to that. I uh, Both of those players... Uh, are a lot more worthwhile uh, both on the field and off the field than I am. Um, I, I had a situation where I was able to, to come to Los Angeles from Chicago and, and I think uh, build a team here. And uh, it's been an exciting thing, and, and I valued my opportunity in Chicago, but it's been great to be here in L.A. and uh, a lot of exciting opportunities, I think, in the past and to come here in Los Angeles. Where did you get your start? How'd you how'd you end up here? I mean, what's sort of the story, the, the travel? Where was Brendan Hannon born? Let's start with that. <laughs> uh, I was born on the mean streets of uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, and then I, I worked at the league as an intern for a little while. Um, and then I was a consultant for the league. I worked for a sports marketing firm in L.A., uh, I mean, in New York. And then I moved to Chicago and then from Chicago to L.A. What is it uh, particularly about sports that sort of attracted you to this? Was, it, was this something you always had in mind that you wanted to do? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was uh, probably for long stretches of time, I was a bum who bartended and played recreational basketball. Um, but sports had always been something that, that I was interested in. Uh, for me, it, it's all about telling stories. And uh, I think that sports offers a, a great way to tell stories and uh, the people and the places and uh, the moments. Uh, I think it's an unpredictable thing. And so to be able to tell stories around uh, a sport like soccer that is so global and, and has such great athletes and personalities was something that I was always drawn to. And, and that's why I've uh, probably spent better of the last eight years working in soccer. You know, Chris talked a little bit, a little bit about, uh, you know, the money that was going to be used to to go into the stadium. Um, how much of that is, is sort of a marketing deal? How much of that do you need to have? Uh, is, is Wi-Fi sort of the, a priority at all? Because that's the, th that's the question people always ask me. That seems to be the biggest one. Yeah, we, you know, we, we look into all that stuff. Um, obviously, budget uh, comes into all of these things. Um, Katie Pandolfo, who's the GM of, of StubHub Center, uh, and Kyle Waters, uh, who's the assistant GM, uh, do a lot of tireless work to, right. to make all of these things happen. Um, so Wi-Fi is something that we're looking at. It's something that we uh, we potentially will move forward with, but but we think that there's a lot of uh, advancements that we can make from a branding side and a technological side that will continue to improve the the fan experience at SubHub. 
Uh, branding wise, are are seats possibly gonna ever be blue? That's that's one of the big again another big question. I mean, that seems like that's a perfect marketing sort of brand issue. I think the hope is that there's people in the seats and you never have to see the green whether they're blue or green. Um, that's so, probably a good answer. So yeah. if we if we have a full building, uh, you you won't really know what color the seats are uh, until you're sitting on them. Is uh, Lots of rumors that perhaps the LA Galaxy would be getting a new logo or perhaps a new sponsor this year from a marketing branding position. Is there any truth to that? Um, what do you mean new logo or new sponsor? As po- well, the rumor going around is that uh, lots of Herbalife stuff has been discounted in the stores and that possibly a new logo has been seen on some of the training stuff and pictures that have come out or, or that type of thing. So is, yeah. the, is there something coming down? Obviously, we're getting a new kit. Yeah, I think I think there's potential for for our uh, our jersey sponsor Herbalife to maybe mix up some of their branding, um, but but no, there there won't be a new logo. Um, there will obviously be a new kit, um, and and there will probably be a, a slight refresh to to the blue kit. Um, but yeah, we're, we're excited. We're actually really excited about the launch of uh, of the 2016 kit. And uh, we'll coordinate that with the launch of our 2016 marketing campaign. So th- there's a lot of fun stuff to look forward to probably here at the start of February. I was going to say, at time frame start of February, it looks like that's going to start going. And then stuff should be on sale by right around by the time the season starts, I'm guessing. Uh, no, in terms of the kit, the kit will be on sale start of February. So you'll start to see, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to papered all of Los Angeles with the the 2016 marketing campaign. Right. Um, and that'll coincide with the jersey, and then we'll we'll have a rollout. We'll probably uh, send you some more stuff again to, to help populate this cool office that you have. Um, so we'll have to get you some, some new 2016 swag, and that's already in the works, and so we'll get that to you soon. Well, that's good news. It's clearly I need more. I think I think Chris Klein and Brendan both were, were a little worried whenever they walked into the, the shrine of LA Galaxy here. It's a, It might be a little little much. I don't know. No, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It, it's cool. I think you have more swag in here than than I have um, in my office. So, uh, but it's nice to come in and, and see some of the things that we've put out that that you have displayed and, and to be caught up with some of those things uh, and see them as something that, that I really enjoyed putting the work into and, and that you still value it uh, means a great deal to, to me and my team. Well, we got a couple minutes left here. Um, before we go with Brendan, um, what are you anticipating as far as this year? I'll, I'll put you sort of in the fan mode now. What do you see from this team and sort of the moves that Bruce has made and Chris has made, and 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 where do you think this team ends up at the end of 2016? Uh, I mean, I can start out by saying, you know, Bruce is sort of my ride or die. You know, I I, I think that it's hard not to trust a, a manager of Bruce Arena's experience. So uh, Bruce is always a guy that that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna back, and and I guess it's my job to back him as well. But uh, I wouldn't bet against Bruce and, and Bruce coming off of a, a season in which he didn't make the, the MLS Cup championship game um, is certainly someone I wouldn't bet against. So uh, I'm excited about the season. I, I think the opportunity to to continue to work with players like Steven Gerrard and Giovanni Dos Santos and, and Robbie Keane, um, you know, I, I think people maybe have a, a, a bit of a perception on how stevie and geo did last year right um but i think if you look at the numbers uh, i think geo had a a pretty strong second half of the season um for first coming to mls and uh adjusting to a new team in a new city 
uh, and a new environment. Uh, and I think the same can be said of Stevie. And I think with a full preseason, I think you'll see a lot out of uh, both of those players. I think Kino will continue to produce. Um, and then uh, the new additions, uh, I think will people will be pleased and, and Bruce will get people into shape and uh, we'll do everything that we can to, to win Champions League or, or at least advance in Champions League and uh, kick the season off. And, and I think, like Chris stated, the, the goal of this team every year is to win. Right. Um, and, and our job is to support that. So uh, from a marketing standpoint, we want to support that. And from a communications and digital standpoint, uh, we want to support that. And we want to work closely with the team and make sure that we're doing everything possible for, for the team to win. Well, Brennan, I want to thank you and your, your whole team. You guys have always uh, treated me with the utmost respect. I'm not sure I deserved it all the times, but you guys have always been uh, been nice to us here at the show, always making sure we have guests and coaches and players and everything else. So thank you to you and, and the rest of the team. It's always been great. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks again for having me. Sorry that I, I made the second half of your show so boring. That's okay. Everybody probably already left already, so we don't <laughs> we don't even have to worry about it. All right. That does it for Corner of the Galaxy Short Corner tonight. Uh, probably another short corner coming up for you. We have a supporter show pop, pretty much surely going to record on Sunday, so it's something you're going to want to check out uh, on Sunday live around 12 noon. All three supporters groups should be represented right here in studio, and we're going to have a nice discussion as well as Sid Patel from the LA Galaxy who works with the supporters group Salsavos to come in. So another fun discussion on a short corner that we should have. want to thank Brendan Hannon. want to thank Chris Klein for stopping by. Uh, a lot of fun having those guys in here. Always appreciate their time. Always appreciate everything they do. All right, that does it for me. I'm Josh Kessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy Short Corner on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I will catch you next time. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy Short Corner Edition on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Corner of the Galaxy and its related podcasts are part of Backfield.com. Backfield.com is a collection of soccer podcasts and multimedia offerings covering soccer around the world. You can follow them at Backfield.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you here again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, sir.